I grew up in a really small town right outside of West Virginia, actually right on the border of West Virginia and Pennsylvania and whole country. And it would take forever to get anywhere. It was like 45 minutes just to get to the mall and you get behind a coal truck on the way and you'd have to keep a safe distance because that coal would flip up from behind the tires and crack your windshield if you weren't careful. And I loved being in my small town. I had this little uh, safe town that I grew up in with the neighbor kids. And we stayed out all night long until the street lights came back on back in the day. And, you know, there were lots of things about my childhood that were absolutely amazing friendships, relationships that I had. Uh, but there were lots of things that weren't so great too. And some of those things, I don't think I realized the impact that they would have later on in my life because I felt like I'd escaped. I was that girl that grew up in that small town and had an itching in my heart and knew that there was something beyond the coal mines, right? And and I, you know, set about the business of becoming successful and, you know, climbed corporate ladders and did all the things and tried to make all the money. But even though I'd achieved a lot of outward success, I mean, I would be on airplanes constantly and fly back home and drive the hour and 15 minutes from the airport to my small town and show up with bags of gifts under each arm and looked like I had made it out and for all intents and purposes looked really good from the outside looking in. But I had this little secret inside that nobody really knew. And I never really exposed except for the people that were closest to me would know. And this was the way that even though I was so successful and everything else, my relationships sucked. I was in self-destruct mode when it came to relationships. I was acting crazy. I was attracting people that were crazy, or I was the crazy. I was sabotaging my relationships, pushing buttons, pushing people away just to wait to see if they, I was playing all these like sick games and I, and I, and I would binge drink, even though I was like super successful, I would march into these corporate offices. That's where I'd work my way up, right. As a business consultant an international business consultant. And I would go into these offices and kick major ass and make millions of dollars. And then I would go home and I would drink so much that I would forget literally what city I was in. I'd forget everything on purpose. And then I'd wake up in the morning, put the stilettos back in, get the Louis Vuitton bag and march back into the workplace. And I did that for years until it all came crashing down. And I said, I got to figure out what the frick is going on with me. I always kind of had that plaguing question underneath all the success. There was this like feeling of inadequacy underneath of it all. Like I was just never enough. There was never enough. There was never enough money. There was never enough time. There was never enough opportunity. I, I It was not enough. My degrees were not enough. My achievements were not enough. There's not enough money, even though I'm making a lot of money or I'm not enough. I'm inadequate in some way. And the number one way all that shit showed up was inside of my intimate relationships. Now, if you can relate to any of that, that I just shared, then you are definitely in the right place. If you are a shiny object from the outside looking in and you have climbed the ladders and you have all the success, but behind closed doors, you're either married or in a relationship with somebody that is a shit show, or you, in fact, in private are the shit show. I'm your girl today.
because we are going to talk about one of the things that many people do not even know about or talk about, and that is the impact of growing up in an alcoholic, addicted, or otherwise narcissistic environment especially for adult daughters. Now, the sons and the cousins can relate to this too, but I'm really talking to us women today, the daughters of alcoholics, the daughters of narcissists, the daughters of addicts. And what I hope to do today is to shine light on what that impact has on us because awareness is the very first step. And this consider this my ministry, this educational piece. Education is our birthright. We can get on Google and some of us are compulsive Googlers. And we look, why am I fucked up? What is wrong with me? Why do I self-sabotage? Why am I successful, but I can't get my shit together in relationships? Why do I attract people I need to fix? What is a fixer personality? What is my attachment style? What is my Enneagram? You know, we, we are compulsive Googlers. And so I'm here to disseminate that information. But if you want transformation, then I want to encourage you to check out our programs that we offer at the Codependency Institute, at which I'm the founder. So this program is brought to you by the Codependency Institute, where we have programs and courses and retreats to help you either stay in your relationships and fix those relationships, even the most complicated ones, even the ones with alcoholics or addicts or the ones you're like, I don't know if this shit can be saved, those ones. Or I help you recover when you get out of those relationships with our toxic relationship recovery course and program. Or we have the decision matrix, which is a decision program to help you decide should you stay or should you go once and for all. Can you see that on every base I have you covered? I love you. Okay. How do I know you need all three of these things? I needed all three of those things. So I'm going to walk you through the ways growing up in an addicted, abusive, dysfunctional, narcissistic family has impacted you. Why do most people not know about this? Because we feel like we escaped, especially the high achievers. It's very hard to put your finger on what's going on. I just was having a consultation with somebody today that is considering coming into the program and she is my soulmate client, right? I just was like inspired to actually make this video for her. So if you're listening, this is for you. She will be joining me in my next cohort, which I am just so elated. She has a little daughter and, and it's just perfect. Right. So I'm so excited that she'll be coming in. And again, because we want to break these cycles for the next generation. Right. But what happens is when you first get out of the addicted, dysfunctional, narcissistic parental layer, and you set about the business of being successful and achieving, many times what we don't realize is that's actually trauma drive. Instead of dealing with our emotions and our feelings, we set about the business of conquering and proving our value. And we start to climb ladders and we start to do the thing and get the titles and get the money and get the ding, 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 I'm successful. Some of us have become doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs. Many of us have multiple degrees and certifications behind us, yet still never feel quite enough. But once you get to a certain level of success and you don't have to worry about the hustle anymore and you've made enough money where you feel like, okay, I'm, even though we could still never quite be enough, you, you feel like, okay, I'm out of that trauma drive, especially when we get a little later in our life. And if you're younger listening to this, know this is coming. After that trauma drive hustle ends, the empty feelings begin. And this is when we start to wake up. This is when we look around at our lives and we realize 
most of us have not been living our lives for ourselves. We've been living our lives for other people, for what other people need, what other people want, even though we call those people selfish, we are still participating in that selfishness by making our lives directly in service to other people. We are fixers, we are rescuers, we run to the rescue and then we turn around at a certain point in our lives and we go, Jesus, I'm fucking tired. I'm exhausted. Why is why am I there for everybody else but nobody's there for me? You start asking questions like, when's it my turn? When do I get to be considered first? When do I get to figure out who I really want to be when I grow up and what I really want? When do I get to have that loving, mutually respectful, firing on all cylinders, close, connected, intimate relationship? When do I get to stop self-destructing? When will I stop that? And when will I start living the life that I know that I'm really entitled to? It's crazy because people from the outside look looking in and go, man, you, you've made it. You're so successful. And they say shit to you like, you're so strong. Oh my God, you must have no problems. You're so strong. And I know on the inside, people are saying that and there's a pressure for you to look strong constantly. Like you always have your shit together, but all you really want is to take off the mask and go, I'm not okay. I know you think I'm strong, but I am lonely, vulnerable, fucking tired, exhausted, hurt, devastated, alone, lonely. Did I say lonely? Because Lord knows when you get to that level of success where you've done so much protecting of yourself, it's like Alcatraz at some point and you just stop letting people in. It's hard to consider then, and most people don't even consider letting somebody in until they get to that breaking point when they go, man. It's got to be my turn. Some of you, it's for being in relationships with addicts or alcoholics, and you're just freaking tired and you want to learn how to kind of end that cycle that you're repeating. Others of us, like my clients, my client who's coming in or myself, you know, want to stay on this path for our daughters because we don't want our daughters doing the same shit, climbing ladders, being successful and feeling empty inside, being in relationships that are one-sided and dysfunctional. So we were talking a little bit about how this really has impacted you. Let me go through more specific areas and where you might be able to resonate even more, where you might be impacted. Again, I'm doing this so that you can see, because once you see yourself clearly and you see the impact, you can set about the business then of working on yourself. You know, all that efforting you've put into optics and looking like you have your shit together and making all that money and having all those achievements and hustling and scrambling. Now you get to lay that all down and just be you. Just go deep within. It probably sounds scary for some of, for some of us, right? But it's the only way, especially if you were like me and you got to that breaking point where eventually you know, success is fleeting too. That comes and goes. The success ebbs and flows like a polarity of success and failure in our lives. And we're always on some spectrum of that. But when you have some of these issues, you, you, you judge yourself without mercy, like self-esteem, for example. This is one of the ways that you're impacted, your self-esteem. Your self-esteem, when you grow up with a narcissistic, addicted, or dysfunctional, toxic household, your self-esteem relies on your doing and not your being. You are constantly feeling like you need to be more or do more for other people. And you find you get into relationships where you endear yourself, you fix things, you help people, and that makes you feel better about you. 
if you are not fixing another person, running to the rescue of something else or hustling and scrambling in some other way to prove your value, you do not feel worthy unless you are achieving. That is one of the biggest ways our self-esteem is directly correlated and tied to achievement. Well, Heidi, isn't everybody's? No. People that are rooted in their self-esteem when the achievement comes and goes and success and failure on that spectrum, they don't get sucked with it. Like I know if I could, you know, whenever I was consulting for this big, huge company and making these millions of dollars for this company, and I was making multiple six-figure salary, when the economy crashed, the first time that I lost everything was in 2008, like many of us. And I was stripped of my title, my fancy air miles, my penthouse apartments, my international travel, all the things. But guess what went with that in 2008? My sense of self-esteem. I spiraled out of control. I moved back into my alcoholic's father's house. I was living there in my, I mean, this was my you know, late twenties and started binge drinking because all of a sudden my identity was gone. My self-esteem went with it because my self-esteem was directly dependent upon what I was doing. And, and this doesn't just transfer into work. Okay. It's in your relationships too. A lot of us have such a low self-esteem that we do not how to receive we do not know how to receive. All we do is give in our relationships. In fact, when somebody gives us something like a gift in our relationships, we feel awkward and uncomfortable. We're like, oh my God, you just gave me that thing. Oh God, what do you want from me now? I'm going to have to reciprocate. Oh geez, I guess. It's like, even if you're with a boyfriend or a husband, they give you a massage. You're like, okay, I guess it's your turn now. You don't know how to just like go, oh, thank you. That was great. Oh my God, Heidi, if I would just go, thank you, that was great and not reciprocate, I would die inside a slow death. <laughs> this is one of the issues that we have. And on a grander scale, it's it affects us not in a laughable way, but in a big, big way where we don't know how to let things in and receive. And that is a self-esteem issue. That is a worthiness thing. And it's crazy because again, people looking from the outside be like, holy shit, man. If anybody's worthy of anything, it's you, honey. And they say that because they look at everything you're doing, right? But you're worthy not because of any of that stuff that you're doing. You're just worthy because you're breathing, because you're here and alive. You know, a tree doesn't have to earn the sunlight and the rain. It just stands there and lets it do its thing. That's how we are too. We are the same as the universe, as these things in nature. You know, a flower doesn't earn the right to bloom. Well, I guess I'll stay here until somebody values me and then I'll spring open. I mean, it just does its thing and doesn't give a shit who's looking or not. But until we get into recovery from this codependency, which is what I'm talking about, you can also have this other standard of self-esteem. Like maybe it's not so low where you have this little hidden feeling of inadequacy within you, but instead you have this hidden feeling or maybe not so hidden feeling of grandiosity. This is just a, a, the same version of a wounded bird who flies on the other end of the pole. Like it, it is the same person. So on one side, it's the chronically humble person where it's like, man, you just, wow, you went to Stanford. Wow. You just, you just graduated. Wow. You, you own a medical practice. Wow. You help, you help people in Haiti. Oh my God. You, wow. And they're like, yeah, yeah. You know, I guess, but you know, I, I mean, as a mom, I'm sucking right now. I mean, you can't take a compliment because you're, you're constantly like, you know, the standard of perfectionism is so ingrained in you 
that you don't feel like you're enough unless you're in every single area of your life, you're perfect. Or you adopt this grandiosity, this inferiority on the perfectionism scale or grandiosity on the perfectionism scale, where now you're like, I am perfect. And you constantly radiate this like queen shit where it's like, oh, well, I'm a goddess and a queen and treat me like, and feed me grapes. And, 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 and there's no middle way. I know when I see women that are living in that land of like constant queendom, I'm, you know, and don't get their hands dirty and are afraid to like show what's really going on and don't talk about the real shit in their lives. The Instagram posts that are all curated and everything's perfect. And I'm living this beautiful life. That person is just as wounded as this person. It's just, they express their woundedness in very different ways. One pretends to be perfect and one just is constantly calling herself out and how she's shitty, right? I mean, but it's the same person at the end of the day. What is the middle way? It's a fully integrated human being who marries their spirituality with their humanity and walks with humility, but in power at the same time. That is where I'm trying to live. And I know I've vacillated on both ends of these spectrums. I played around in the little goddess realm too, okay? And I played around in the, in the too humble place too. But you get to this middle way where it's like, I know I'm powerful and I know where that power comes from and originates, but there's no sense of entitlement with it. There's not a like, I deserve more than this other person. We all deserve that. Everybody, everybody deserves that. And so- how do you get that rooted sense of self-esteem is by looking at all the ways we are undercompensating or overcompensating. And it's very black and white for people that grew up in addiction, dysfunction, or uh, with alcoholic parents, daughters. It's very black or white. It's all or nothing. Another way this really shows up with this all or nothing mentality is in our emotions where, you know, when you're growing up, you have to be on your toes at all times, all right? A lot of us think we're empaths. What we really, and we, we are, we're all sensitive. We're all sensitive people, highly sensitive people, but more even than empaths, there's this other piece of hypervigilance that has come into place that has enabled us to have an astute, amazing ability to predict shit, to know what's going on with people, to read people, to pay attention to their micro expressions on their face and know exactly what they're thinking and feeling. And then the problem with that isn't, that's awesome. I can do that too. That's great. I mean, I, that's very handy in my, with my clients. The problem with that in codependence is when you feel like you are responsible for those feelings in other people. So emotional issues are vast with somebody with a daughter like this that grew up this way. Emotional issues are vast. Either you are overly responsible for the emotions of everybody else and you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to figure out how to make somebody feel this or not feel that or do this or you're strategic, you know, healing. And I just said this in my group the other day, you know, one of the women was like, well, I'm, I'm speaking my truth more now than ever. And they're, you know, but they're having feelings about it. And what do I need to do? And how do I deal with myself when people are having the feelings around me being more authentically me and speaking my truth? And my answer was, you have to become like a, a warrior in your desire to let other people be who they are while you are being yourself as well. Meaning I get to say what I say to you. I get to feel how I feel and speak my truth. And guess what? You get to feel however the fuck you want to feel about it. 
I don't have to control those feelings. I don't have to strategize around what I'm going to say to you to make sure you lands the right way and you receive it. You see how this hypervigilance, this training, I can't say this to my narcissistic mom because if I say this to her, she's going to blow up on me. Then my life's going to be shit in hell. So I better strategize. This doesn't stop in childhood. It continues on into adulthood, maybe with your boss, with your partners, with your clients, even you were work overthinking. How do I position this? And then not just other people's emotions. Now we've got our own emotions that we have issues with. And this is black or white too. It is polarity. Over here on the one side, I'm like, a, I'm like, you know, over emoting all the time. I'm an overshare. I don't know how to keep my emotions in check. I cry all the time. I, you know, I, I don't know how to keep it together. And over here, I'm like freaking Alcatraz and nobody can get in. Now this is the same person. This is the same person, just different poles of the spectrum, right? They're both emotional issues. And so just because I never emote, I'm not better than somebody who over-emotes. I'm over-emoting or under-emoting. So again, codependency recovery is about finding that middle way. It's not so black or white. It's not, well, like, how do I just stop doing that altogether and, or, or, you know, abandon this for this. It's, it's really merging and finding that middle. That's where the grace is. That's where the peace is. That's where the sanity lives in the middle, not so black and white. Uh, emotions, again, you know, we can be very flippant. We can feel um, no emotion, no emotion, no emotion. And then the lid pops off and boom, now we're exploding on people around us. Or maybe some of us, maybe some of you, maybe you are drinking and that's when your shit shows up, right? Otherwise you're like buttoned up. And I know that was true for me when I was binge drinking. Oh my God, I was like a freak. I was like crazy. My girlfriends, I've been sober for 12 years. My girlfriends now would be like, oh, you don't drink. I'm like, honey, you don't, nobody, no, we don't need to see that. The keys will be in a bowl at a party. We'll all be hooking up. It'll be tragic. It'll be scary. No, I mean, I was that person. I was wild. Now, I would say I'll stop drinking. I'll be I, like, because guess what? Guess what happened there? I was so buttoned up. Control issues is what I'm where I'm going with this, right? That's another one of the things that shows up for us when we grow up in, in these environments. We're either so buttoned up. We're completely in control all the time. We're perfectionist about that. We're in control of our emotions. We're in control of our words. We're patty perfect. We're at whatever we need to be. Or we're a loose freaking cannon hot mess. And then what happens to the people around us that see us like this, Jekyll and Hyde? They're like, um, very confused. Well, you seem like you are really together and you are a kind of like mentally stable human being. This was my life anyway. I'll speak for me. I know when I first met my husband, I was a coach. I was like super successful. I was, I think the weekend I flew to meet him, I had to fly to New York to give a fancy talk in New York. Okay. I just moved back from Beverly Hills. I mean, where I was running a company in the uh, Santa Monica Boulevard, you know, and I mean, come on. So he had this image of me and then he gets with me and all of a sudden I binge drink and then I'm like a, like a freak. I'm like a crazy person. I'm out of my fucking mind. And I'm, I'm poking, I'm pushing his buttons. I'm flirting with other people to see if he's going to leave me. I'm doing all this shit. And he's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, who are you? Because you're either in control 
or completely out of control and there's no middle way. So when I got sober, where I'm leading with this is when I got sober, I had to learn how to live in that middle place of not being so serious, the little adult constantly, but play more, allow myself to have that freedom and flexibility to be wild, to be crazy, because I only let myself do that when I was free of the judgment and drinking shuts the judgment off. And again, that's another issue that we have. We judge ourselves without mercy. Then we judge other people without mercy too. Now I'm just giving you, this is going to sound kind of sad, but it's the truth. When it comes to adult daughters of alcoholics and the issues that are present in our lives as a result, nothing that we've done, but because of the situation we were growing up in, the issues are vast. I mean, I, I could say there's about 15 concrete things. I've only probably talked about three or four. There's probably 15 or more, give or so, concrete things we do in relationships that we think we don't know if it's normal or not. That's because one of the things is we guess at what's normal. Well, don't other people do that? Do other people do? I remember when I would be in my relationships early on before recovery and I'd have to ask like the committee, is this normal? Like, you know, even in my own dysfunctional family, like figuring out, like when I grew up, like I'd Google, is it normal for people to do this? And what is gaslighting? And what is narcissism? And so we really don't know what normal is. And it's so cool to be able to be in a program with sisters and brothers, by the way, I help everybody, but sisters who can see you and know you and you go, oh my God, we're the same, you know? Wow. How amazing is that, that we have the same kind of language? Because if we're not aware of these common traits that we all have, we think we're just fucked up. We're like, well, it just must be me. I guess I'm just, what's wrong with me? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why can't I get my shit together? Versus it's a no brainer. You are acting the way you're acting in your relationships because of the shrapnel that was there. So yes, you were victimized in that situation, but now it's your responsibility to heal it. So once you start to see the shrapnel and the ways you've been impacted, then it's your responsibility to say, and I owe it to myself and the future generations to clean this up once and for all to wipe my hands, clean them up and carry on about my life in a healthy, empowered, fully integrated way as if that trauma had not impacted every area of my relationship life. Amen. I could go on and on today. I could talk about trust issues, how we over trust and we put our trust in people and overshare when we meet people or under trust, how we don't trust anybody at all. If you want more of this, let me know. Let me know whatever platform you happen to be on. If you're listening to the podcast right now, uh, reach out to me over at HeidiRain.com. You can send me a message. You can schedule a consultation. You can download our free copy of our new book, Attachment Personality Patterns, Codependent Attachment Personality Patterns, and learn about that. Reach out to me if you're on YouTube. Uh, hello, it's good to see you as well. And you can leave a comment right here if you want to know more about this or have specific questions, but here's really what I would encourage you to do. If you feel like I am singing your song, if you're like, Jesus, what else does she know about me? Is she a fly on the wall? What else does she know? A lot. I have a lot of wisdom in this area. And it sounds like a hair club for men commercial. It's like, not just because I was my own client, but you know, but because I was my own client, I was brave enough to look at my shit and go, what is going on here? And how can I systematically undo this? And my daughter, I know, is, is grateful. 
because I, I'm giving her childhood she doesn't have to heal from, right? So it's not easy, but it is like cliche as it is worth it. You are worth it to dive underneath of this and get underneath the hood and to see how you can undo this programming from the shrapnel that you suffered from somebody being a victim of somebody else's internal war, how you can pick that shrapnel out. And you can, it's like, well, Heidi, you tell me I have trust issues. I have identity. We didn't talk about that. I don't know who I am or chameleons in our life. I mean, I could go on and on. This isn't a, 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 a psychiatric label. This isn't like, oh, you have depression. Oh, okay. You have clinical depression. You have generalized anxiety disorder. This isn't like that. Okay. I'm not diagnosing you. I deal in patterns, not pathology. And the really cool thing is, is that any pattern can be undone. But step one is to learn what that pattern is, how it directly impacts you, what patterns you have. It's like, if you go to the doctor, you got to get diagnosed, hun. Right. You got to know. And then I'm going to help you with my systems and processes. It's not magic. All right. We're not going to listen to affirmations. Be like, I'm so, I'm so happy in love and I love myself. No, no, we're, we're actually going to do some therapeutic coaching processes that I'm going to walk you through to root that shit up once and for all so that you can be free. But that is a system. I walk you through that step by step. Because I don't I don't want anybody. Some people say, oh, you got to do this. Well, how? All you got to do is how. I'm the how girl. I walk you through the exact step-by-step process of how to do it. Now you're going to have to do the work, but I'm going to lead the way. All right? Okay? There's a two-way street. We're going to do this together. Interdependent. Interdependent. Right? Feeding each other. Okay? I love you. I hope you found this helpful. Don't, don't hoard it, you know, share it. Okay. Give it around, share it with your friend, Susie and Sally and Tommy and all these people that, you know, can benefit because, you know, you're surrounded by people who could probably use this. And if not, if it's just for you, then, okay. I'm so glad you came. I love you. Our mantra at the Codependency Institute is always more of you, you know, more of you. How can we help you have more of you in your life? Less them, more you. What does that mean? More authenticity, more peace for you, more of you showing up, more of you shining, you know, whatever it is that you want to do more of you, less everybody else. All right. I love you. Take excellent care of yourself. And until the next time, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.